um, I was telling Alex today, I feel less prepared than I've ever felt. So I ask that you guys bear with me and forgive me if um, it's not what you're expecting. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this fellowship. Thank you, Father God, that we can all come together here in Jesus' name. Father God, thank you that you are in our midst. Father God, that you never leave us even when we leave this place. Father God, I pray that the word that you've given me, Father God, it, you will speak it through me. Father God, I pray that each and every heart will hear something that will edify them and bring glory to you. And Father God, we just we just pray that everything that we do and say and think would bless you. And we thank you for Jesus, Father God. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Okay, it's been a while since I've been up here, but I think that God told me um, to talk about Romans 12. And then I thought, well, maybe not. Um, but he kept giving me ideas, some of them in the middle of the night. So I thought, well, maybe he does want me to talk about that. So um, I just pray that something that I'm about to say will speak to everyone here. Um, and if I've missed what God was trying to say, that you'll bear with me and forgive me and that he'll bring it to you. Okay, because I don't have to say it for him to bring it to your mind with whatever I'm reading. So um, some of Romans 12 can be hard to hear and harder to do. But with Christ, all things are possible, right? So here we go. Many of us, myself included, have always looked for specific instructions or a list of steps we can follow to serve God or please him. Um, I know for me, it's easier for me because I'm kind of ADHD. I get sidetracked. If I have a list of steps that I can fall back to, that I can pull my focus back to, it's easier for me. The problem with that sometimes can be is that we get so into the doing instead of the hearing and the, you know, what God is trying to do through us. So um, most of us have gotten past trying to earn our salvation. But just so you know, if you haven't gotten past it, it's impossible to earn it. Not one of us can accomplish anything more for ourselves than Christ has accomplished for us. And he didn't need our help. Those of us who have realized this sometimes then switch gears to now I'll work so that God will pl be pleased with me. Okay, but even this is for naught because God wants, um, God tells us in his word that he's pleased with us because of our faith in Jesus' finished work. Not because of what we do, not because of what we say. Because of our faith in Jesus, the word says it's impossible without faith to please God. So how do we please God? Our faith in Jesus. That's what pleases him. Okay, so um, God wants nothing more than fellowship with us. That, that is what he wants, for us to talk to him, to hand all our cares to him, our burdens to give to him, and he'll take it from there. After we are emptied of everything that we feel is burdening us, that we're worried about and concerned about, to give him permission then, free reign, if you will, to live through us to accomplish his goals. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a control freak. 
I'll ad be the first one to admit it. I try to work things the way I think they should go. Uh, most of that is out of fear, fear of somebody getting hurt, fear of me getting hurt, fear of rejection, fear of losing somebody. Um, and we all know, right, that perfect love casts out fear, right? So fear has to do with punishment. God is not out to punish us. And he never told us that life is going to be super easy. He just said he was going to be with us through it, that he would, that he would, and, and I'll tell you what, with the past few years and things that have happened, um, both of my daughters passing away, God's spoken to me in my heart a lot. He's, he's gotten me, he's gotten me through so much. Just, just, because I ask him why. Why, God? I know you didn't cause it, but why'd you let it happen? And he's like, you don't see the big picture. You don't know what I might be protecting everyone from. You, and somebody told me, I believe God spoke to me through somebody else and said, maybe I didn't want to see her suffer anymore. You know what I mean? So God's been with me through it through the hard stuff, through the good stuff. And there's been times when God carried me through things that I didn't even know at the time. But you look back at it and you say, that had to be God. It had to be God. There's no other way. So after we give him permission, free reign, he wants to accomplish through us his goals. It's not about what we want. It's not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. So... <coughs> When God is um, trying to do things completely differently and not all of it's comfortable for me, I can still trust that God, uh, God is always working for my good. Usually when I try to control the situation or tell God how I think things should go, I mess things up. Thank God he knows my heart. And Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, even if we mess things up. And this verse isn't saying that God causes all things. He's saying he makes all things work for our good, even if we mess it up. God is still able to fix it. God is still able to change it for our good and for the good of those around us. Um, many people say that the Bible is an instruction book for our lives. But I believe the entire Bible is to encourage us and show us God's never-ending love for us. I mean, if God never gave up on Israel after they complained and moaned about everything, after he just brought them out of slavery, parted the sea so they could cross on dry land, he didn't give up on them when they couldn't even wait a little over a month for Moses to come down off the mountain they decided to worship a golden calf made with their own hands. And well, it goes on and on. And the, even the apostles who saw Jesus face to face, you think, if I saw Jesus, I would never do that. But you know what? We're not any better than they were. So they deserted and denied him. And he still didn't give up on them. He still sent his only son to die for them and us. So I've gotten a little bit off track here, but let's go on. 
I also believe that there are only two instructions that apply to this day through the whole scripture. But even they don't achieve salvation. Only Jesus and what he did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection can accomplish that. These two instructions were found first in the Old Testament. They are Deuteronomy 6.5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And the other one is found in Leviticus 19.18. It says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible uh, that, because often I wonder who's my neighbor. Is it just the person that lives next door? No. Often our neighbors can be our enemies, but your neighbor is anybody who comes across your path. So um, anyway, these are the two greatest commandments Jesus spoke of when one of the Pharisees had asked Jesus what were the greatest commandments in the law. Um, in, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, it says, And he said to him, this is Jesus speaking, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. These are also quoted by Jesus in Mark twelve thirty and Luke tw ten twenty-seven. So in three out of the four Gospels. Um, the, the, um, the, the apostles repeated it, so it must be, must be pretty important. But God knew that on our own, we cannot carry out even these two instructions, which is why we must trust in Jesus' completed work and why he says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ. Now, I, sound, I know this sounds too simple, but if we just keep our eyes on him and things above, because our lives are hidden with Christ and God, then it's he who lives in us and through us. Like it says in Philippians 2.13, for it is God at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure or his purpose. Um, wow, I still haven't gotten to Romans chapter 12. So let's, let's go on here. So for those of us still looking for a lifestyle that is on the order of how our lives should look, Romans 12 sums it up pretty well. It's important to remember, though, that even these are impossible to do on our own. We tend to get caught up in the doing, and we get distracted from what Jesus is actually trying to do, and I think I said this already, but it bears repeating. We get distracted from Je what Jesus is actually trying to do in and through us and where he wants us to cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46.10. In other words, sometimes he just wants us to stop doing, shut up, and listen, right? We don't need to be telling him all about the way it should go. We don't need to be telling him how to work things. He wants us to be quiet, know that he is God, and listen to what he's trying to tell us or what he's trying to do through us to follow that. So I feel like I said all this to say, um, I'm going to read the entire chapter of Romans 12, okay? Um, and I'm going to stop here and there, but here we go. 
Romans 12 can be hard, okay, especially towards the end. Um, this is how we know that we need God. But, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Okay, let's stop right here. This says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, meaning that it is acceptable to God, not that we're to make it or try to make it acceptable. It is. It does not say so that we will be acceptable to God. It says it is acceptable. Then it goes on to say at the end of verse 1, which is your spiritual service of worship. So basically, presenting our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice that is acceptable to God is our service of worship. Okay? I'm not knocking church. I'm not saying that it's not good. We come here to worship because it helps get our focus right on God. But our spiritual service of worship is our whole life. Everything we do, everything we say, this is our spiritual service of worship. So... Verse 2 goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The New Living Translation reads this way, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And I think this is speaking about our thinking and behavior, because we are a new creation and person in Christ when we've accepted Jesus. Um, the old one is dead. But it's by changing the way we think. So so um, you see that here it says that God changes us. The way we think and act, all of it. Um, even this is not accomplished by our own ac actions. See, so it's God at work in us. He's the one changing us. He's the one transforming us. It's not really anything to do with us, except that we're open to him and letting him. Um, Verse 3 goes on to say, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do have the same function, so we, are, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to his proportion of faith. And here the NLT says, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If service, in his serving. In other words, serve well. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I've always wondered what exhortation, diligence, and mercy mean. So I looked them up in a Bible dictionary. Well, the word diligence isn't even in the Bible, in the Bible dictionary. It, not the one I had anyway. But it is in a regular dictionary. Um, exhortation means a message of warning or encouragement designed to motivate persons to action. So, and diligence, this is just a regular dictionary, constant and earnest effort and application done painstakingly. So this is, this, is the this is what I believe our work should be, constant and earnest effort to let God work through us. 
okay? It's not our working and our doing. It's, God, what do you want to do? Here I am, use me, okay? Mercy, and this is paraphrased because the way it's, I had a, an old King James version of the Dictionary Bible, and the way it, it was hard to understand, so I paraphrased it. And to, this is what I, I um, said, is to look beyond people's faults and helping them and forgiving them anyway, okay? Now let's go back to Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. The New Living Translation says it this way. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, Bless those who persecute, persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wait, what? I don't know about you, but I've read in the Psalms where David is asking God to, well, not bless his enemies. For example, in Psalm 35, 1, 8, it says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be shafted before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. I can just imagine the angel of the Lord chasing the enemy away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause, they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him unawares, and let the net which he hid himself into that very destruction let him fall. That doesn't sound like David is asking God to bless his enemies, does it? Psalm 41.10 says, <clears throat> But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. And again in Psalm 58, 6, oh God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. <laughs> Break out the fangs of the, of the young lions, oh Lord. And Psalm 59, 13 says, destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more, that men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. See what I mean? I, found, I have found myself asking God to give people what they deserve people that have hurt me, people that have taken things from me, people that I feel like are my enemies. But, okay, it was pointed out to me that if you think about it, God is a just God, right? And if he's to bring about justice for our enemy, then he would also have to bring about justice for us, what we deserve. And what does the word say? The word says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, right? So if we think about that, when we're thinking about our enemies, sometimes it makes it a little easier. Um, so if we all got we, we, 
what we deserved. I, well, you know where I'm going with this. But thanks be to God, he gave his only begotten son so that we don't get what we deserve. And Jesus died for all. So yes, that means he died for our enemies too. Um, okay, let's continue in Romans 12. We're at verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And this is where I think this is kind of giving us a little bit of instruction on how to live with others. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. In other words, snobby, uppity, thinking we're better than others, but associate with the lowly. The NLT also says now, and don't think you know it all. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. That's, um, says the Lord. That's in Deuteronomy 32, 25. Instead, now this is a hard part. If your enemies are thirsty, are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. And then um, verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this tells me that not only am I supposed to pray for my enemies, to bless them, but if I see them in need, I'm supposed to fill that need as well. Um, this is how I know I need God. As a matter of fact, I can't live without him. Because on my own, I fail at this a lot, but thank God for his assurance. Roman 8, 1 says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God knew no matter how hard man tries, without faith in Jesus and his finished work, it's impossible to please him. We can't, we can't do it. That's why he sent Jesus, because he saw that man on his own could not be righteous. So to sum it up, Romans 12 has some pretty good guidelines that cover just about everything. But again, we don't do or try to live by these to please God or earn our salvation. What Jesus did took care of that. And without allowing him to live through us, we cannot do this at all. It's impossible. We let Jesus do these things through us so that life will go well for us and others will see him in us. That's another goal is that others will see him in us and want what we have okay um that's about all i have to say today <laughs> that's a little shorter but i hope i got the point across at least all right you guys um alex